On today's episode of Relative Currency, despite globalization because of what I believe are some poor choices, some poor governmental choices that have been made in our country, things seem to be contracting rather rather than expanding. And that has informed the view of the older portion of Generation Z. And I think that can translate into what may lead them to be more just, you know, financially conservative. Brother, sister, and cousin, we've been relatives for a while. We're chatting about financial things. We're doing it family style. Cryptocurrency, stocks, and loans. Financial literacy. It'll be that and so much more on relative currency. Currency, fine-tuning financial literacy for the middle class. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the episode of Relative Currency. I'm Frank here with Alicia and Treffin. We're so glad you could join us today for this episode. Uh, if you haven't already, we want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. We're on iTunes, Podbean, um, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all other major podcast platforms. Uh, be sure to visit relativecurrency.com. Uh, join our newsletter. There you can get uh, a free wealth building guide, which I think you will enjoy. Um, so, you know, today's today's episode is going to be kind of interesting. You know, as as we look at you know uh, what what is a looming potentially government shutdown and, and other you know economic issues, we there's various strikes going on. You have you know the, the Hollywood writer strike that was just resolved recently. The actor strike is still ongoing. There's an auto strike possibly happening. So there's so many different things happening. A lot of economic uncertainty. And so, you know, today we're going to talk about how the the different economic uncertainties has impacted how generations look and view at money. And I think that, you know, obviously we we get a lot of media that's dominated by obviously baby boomers, um, Gen Xers, some millennials, and and then certainly now you have Gen Generation Z kind of coming into their own. So just you know, looking at, you know, some of the things, you know, generationally that you know, obviously we've been through is because we're parents at a certain age, but looking at maybe our children who are younger, um, either millennials or a Gen Z and seeing their attitudes on money and and, and, and really kind of wondering, I guess the question is, can 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 people's habits shape the, the next economic uptrend or downtrend or or is it just kind of a mix of both things? Yes, I wanted to start out by uh, just briefly uh, going, giving an overview of what we're talking about with each generation, like what are the birth years associated. So the oldest current living generation that, yes, still does have some surviving members is the greatest generation. And those are individuals born between 1901 and 1924. Then we have the silent generation that were born 1925 to 1945. We have the baby boomers. Um, and, you know, for Frank and I, and uh, well, actually for all three of us, our parents are it, part of this generation. Um, and then Generation X, those born from 1965 to 1980. The millennial generation that's born from 1981 to 1996. And um, in it, kind of an overlap in between those generations, they do 
categorize um, some people as exennials, where they have a shared experience with both of those generations. And uh, our demographic is is covered in those uh, generational groups between Generation X and Millennials. Then there's Generation Z, born 1997 to 2012. Um, Generation Alpha, that's born 2013 to 2025. Um, and I'm sorry if I missed it, Generation X, the dates of birth are 1965 to 1980, and the millennials are 1981 to 1996. So uh, the youngest millennials at this point are in their late 20s, and the oldest millennials are already in their 40s. Uh, Generation Z is already out in the workforce, and the older uh, members of that generation are uh, already, you know, coming out of high school, and uh, even some are have graduated college already. And um, we were remarking that we're Generation X or elder millennials who are parenting or may have mentoring relationship with younger millennials, Generation Z, and Generation Alpha, and contrasting the time that we grew up in and the money attitudes that were passed on to us by our parents with the money attitudes that we hope to pass on to those in our sphere of influence or our children. So we were raised by baby boomers and the baby boomers were a generation that were born into essentially an economic and population boom hence their generational moniker. And then they came of age, uh, again, still in a growing economy, and many of them hit their prime during the excess and kind of abundance of the 80s. So those of us who were born in the 70s and 80s, that was what we were seeing when we were growing up is, you know, Gordon Gecko, Greed is Good, you know, Wall Street, um, a lot of consumer spending, um, the deficit rising. And I remember, you know, listening to the news and kind of hearing about that, not really understanding it, but still feeling like it was a little bit worrisome, but not enough because it just really seemed like uh, everything was getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and I didn't really think about what the implications were in terms of economic cycles at that point the way that I was raised. And I believe because it was due to the confluence of um, globalization, mass industrialization kind of hitting its peak, technology rising, I'm not convinced that the baby boom generation really had to confront the reality of that on mass either. And I think by contrast, you know, what I've seen and, you know, now I'm middle aged, so I don't know if you would consider that prime, but I would definitely say late 20s, early 30s, what we were seeing um, was the bottom falling out of everything. And <clears throat> because I had, you know, gone to school beyond college, I technically wasn't really out in the job market. And by being in medicine, you know, that can be somewhat uh, somewhat recession proof, not pandemic proof, but recession proof. And so 
what I saw, though, was that those who were within 10 years of me in age who were coming up, who were younger, it was a, a very disillusioning time for them. And what, you know, what is going on now where it sometimes seems like despite globalization, because of what I believe are some poor choices, some poor governmental choices that have been made in our country, things seem to be contracting rather rather than expanding. And that has informed the view of the older portion of Generation Z. And I think that can translate into what may lead them to be more you know, financially conservative, to be more savers, but then also to feel that rather than what was going on if you were a young person or a child in the 80s, where in a way there was almost kind of a worship of wealth and an elevation of uh, capitalism, the you know, younger millennials and Gen Z particularly are the ones who question those values and question, is it worth it to pursue a career path that compromises their mental health, their physical health, any other interests and pursuits and goals that they may have that are not oriented around uh, making money. Oh, that's good. I mean, that's really good. Um, you know, Treffin, do you have anything, any thoughts, your attitudes, attitudes you come across, maybe um, how you were raised regarding um, money, things like that? I'd say one of the most important things that I see here that um, I think one of the things that was really important for me with my mom was insurance. And this is just a word that when I was younger, I used to hear it all the time. I never really maybe had my mom explain it to me so in depth until maybe I got a little bit older when you start talking about health insurance and, you know, when I got my first job and how that kind of stuff worked out. So a big mistake that I see with younger people and people who are older than me. So as uh, same as you, I'm middle-aged or approaching there. Um, I've heard stories, read stories in the news and met people who just don't have any insurance abroad. And that's a very dangerous thing to not have yourself some type of health insurance when you're a traveler Usually the government forces the, and this is in China at least, usually the government will force your employer to insure you with health-wise, but there are a lot of gray areas in China. So if you ever come to China, there are ways for companies to not actually insure you. And sometimes even if they do, that insurance is not very helpful for you. So looking at private insurance is um, expensive, but probably a better idea. And I've heard stories about older guys and women who need hospice care. They really can't stay in China anymore. They don't have the money for it because their business didn't go so well. And this is actually during COVID when this happened. And what happens is the, the guy's actually forced to leave the country, but he can't because he's in hospice. And he has no one who can take care of him. So I have to volunteer to take care of this guy. And, you know, I don't know anything about doing hospice. 
and a Canadian guy is calling the American embassy to try to get the American embassy to put this guy in a hospital. Uh, and that's like a really bad situation to be in. And then what I see happens with the younger people is they get very comfortable here because the amount of money you can make is really high. So there may be living lives like they would be living in college. And I think, um, what is it, the Generation Z or the, the next one after millennials? Uh, not the Z, the Ys. I see the Ys, the, the people who, or sorry, no, I'm, I'm the Y. Yeah, the Zs. The Zs are, um, they're getting very comfortable with their high amount of pay. And this would be people who come to China when they're maybe 20, 21, 22, 23. Maybe some of them were really smart, got to their degree a little bit early. Uh, maybe some of them are taking a gap year. And when they take a gap year, they come here, they're able to get work. Um, they maybe forget that there's certain things that are in place that they need. And they just come here, they get very, very comfortable teaching. And then that um, that doesn't really help them for retirement back home. That doesn't help them for insurance. And maybe they don't actually have anyone explain insurance to them because I think if you don't actually have someone explain insurance to you in China, you're also in a bad position because there's a lot of things your company can get away with that they won't do because it costs them. And then there's a lot of things as Americans it's more expensive for us to get insured in or sometimes we can't get insured in. So if you come to China or if you come, I guess if you get international insurance and you're expecting dental, you're expecting vision, um, these things are separate. These things are more expensive and these things are not uh, standard packages and stuff like that here in China. So uh, I found that out the hard way also during COVID. Uh, actually, I knew this, but I thought, ah, you know, I can just... Uh, I could just pay for the dental stuff as it happens. And actually, dental work here is pretty cheap. But if you need to get something more expensive, like a, a crown or um, a replacement tooth and things like that, it starts getting a bit pricey. Uh, I had a situation where I actually broke six teeth. Um, and I was very, very blessed to not have to replace six teeth. I just had to, um, I just had to fix them. But um, it was almost impossible for me to find a dental clinic at the time that I felt comfortable with because I had only ever really gotten cleanings from local clinics here. And I think that I thought that was like a very standard job. But asking them to fix my teeth, they would look at my teeth sometimes and say, oh, there's nothing wrong with them. And I'd have to show them with my finger that I have a tooth when I, I put pressure on it, it pretty much comes apart. So um, it's it's not about they're behind or anything. It's just about the standards of uh, dental health would be a bit different. So yeah, these are uh, definitely insurance. That's that's my thing. Make sure you pay attention to your, your health, your dental, your vision, and uh, you know your life insurance also, your travel insurance, all these things are really important. Um, for you and maybe travel not so much if you're just staying in the states right now and but whenever you do to try to decide to be a traveler make sure you get that also cool man definitely definitely appreciate that that's definitely um you know good good information definitely always want to 
you know, make sure that you're covered. You know, your health is, is very important. I think getting, getting, you know, kind of, um, as, as we kind of maybe close the closest topic out, um, I think that what we're, what we're seeing is, is, and, and I guess when you have the attitudes that, that have changed in generations, you wonder how, how much is it going to impact the, you know, the economic, you know, future? Because right now we're in a, in a place where people are saying we're in a recession and you have these other issues that we talked about at the beginning, strikes and different economic issues, government shutdowns, things like that. And it just, it just, it just, um, while we, while we say, Hey, we want to educate people on you know saving and insurance, but realistically, is it, what is in their control? I would, I would say that, you know, I, I, if, if we really think Gen Z is savvy, saying that they're conservative to me actually addresses more the fact that they will be, there will be a larger proportion of them that have an early recognition of the fact that, you know, I'm not going to be living under the assumption that was present even for elder millennials and, and Gen X, you thought you would go somewhere and work for decades. You, you assumed job security. And so Gen Z is growing up in a world where not only have they seen that it is very uncommon now to see people you know, work the equivalent of two generations in the same job uh, with the same company and potentially not even in the same field, uh, but they also have been exposed to the concept of fire, um, of, you know, having FU money and things like that, that I, you know, and you can say I was late to the game, but, you know, these things have really caught fire in the last five to 10 years, um, pun intended. And so their formative years, you know, if their parents are paying attention, I mean, I know I'm very explicit in talking about um, my opinions and, and thoughts and what I've learned about finances uh, to try to impart that to them early. And so I think that I, when I think of a conservative attitude, I think of it more as they are not under the illusion that something is just going to be there for them and that their version of conservatism is, you know, twofold in the sense that they know that they're going to have to take care of themselves and manage your money accordingly. And then also they may, by the same token, not elevate uh, wealth in and of itself versus as a means to an end as a pillar of what they will build their life on or their happiness on or their purpose on. That's very good. I think that's a very good point. Um, I think as we, you know, wrap up, definitely want to encourage our listeners to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, Google Play, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio. So check us out on those major platforms. Visit relativecurrency.com, join our newsletter um, and get a free wealth building guy, which I think you will enjoy. Again, um, I want to thank you guys for listening. For um, Alicia and Treffin, I'm Frank.
We'll see you guys very soon on another episode of Relative Currency. Thank you for listening to Relative Currency. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and other major podcast platforms.